uh, was raised in a, a family that was an abusive family. And so from that, I had a lot of residual anger as an adult. And that's why we're here to talk today, because I feel like I've overcome a lot of that anger. And we want to share that, the, the, the reasons, what, what I did to be able to overcome that anger. Well, that's very universal because I think everybody has that, some to an extreme degree and some to a lesser, but pretty much it's a universal kind of problem that everybody has. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And I think I figured out what it was that helped me be angry or that facilitated that anger. I think that it took me a very long time to to actually get over the anger part of it. To, but I would I would say things to myself like, I don't want to be angry. Mm-hmm. So that statement alone wasn't enacting anything positive in my life. I realized at age 35 that I was still blaming my father for awkwardness in social situations. But I was stacking annoyance on top of annoyance, on top of annoyance, on top of annoyance, and it would flash at any moment's time really didn't have any control. I felt like I didn't have any control over when that flash would happen or when I would get to the peak of, of I've, I've been annoyed enough, now I've got a blow to let go of that. And so it was just kind of a synapse in, uh, in my mind that that's what I had to do to get rid of or release that anger. Uh, it's just a blow and let it go. And it just it wasn't working. So in a social situation, you get mad or angry how are you ever going to retrieve that back? Yeah. How are you going to get that that uh, a reputation back that you're not that angry of a person? Because it almost marks you when you do that. In a business situation, think of it in, in a corporate situation. If you get angry in the office, people are going to say, "Oh, don't don't cross him. He's he's the angry guy. He's going to flash at any moment." And you, yeah. and they don't want to associate with you. So that social awkwardness that that um and then the other awkwardness of of doing that within your own family and i I would suggest that my own family in my own family that that uh was contributory to the divorce that i had with my my wife at the time and so age 35 my father actually has been dead seven years i'm still blaming him david still blaming him for things that were happening in my life and for bad things that were happening in my life because I feel like he taught me to be more abusive. He taught me to be angry. And it was more, not not that it was genetic, but it was generational. He he only graduated from eighth grade and that became a truck driver, but he still had those anger. just didn't have the education to how to overcome his own stacking, 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 and then flashing. And he just passed that on. So it came to came to one head there at age 35. The next time it came to head was probably about 15 years ago. I was dating and I was it was time to take, I'm number 10 of 11 children, so I always have to have big brother, big sister approval. So it was time to take this woman up for big brother approval, 300 miles north of where I live. And so we go in the house. The first thing that happened, my sister-in-law pulls her aside and said, the only emotion that the Zolman family learned growing up is anger. At first, I said, "Uh, uh-uh. uh," and then it made me mad. <laughs> I thought, she nailed it." And so I thought, "That is a this. Is, if there's any better time, I, I don't know what it would be, but this is a perfect time to change that perception of the Zolman family being angry." 
So I started reading books like The Color Code, and then I settled on The uh, Five Love Languages by Dr. Gary Chapman. I loved the principles of The Five Love Languages because I was Christian, wanted to be better, and always striving to be a little bit better. And I, Dr. Chapman's a reverend, and he said that they reconciled to the life of Jesus Christ. I absolutely agree, because you know we, Jesus spent time with people. We love his words. He touched people. He had the gifts of the Spirit, and he served people. He did all five love languages, just did them all almost naturally. And so if I thought if I could do that, I could be more likely to be a better person. And so I loved those the principles. The application didn't work for me. You know, Dr. Chapman suggested, well, if David, if I said, if I guess what your love language is, and if I cater to that, we're going to be buddies. I'm a horrible guesser. That doesn't happen. It's not. It didn't work for me to be in guessing what people's love languages are, perceiving what it might be. So the second thing that Dr. Chapman has in his book is if, well, if you take this survey, I can find out what my love language is, my preferred love language. Well, David, what am I supposed to do with that? Advertise? Hello, David, I'm Gifts. What do you have for me today? It's just awkward. All that was just really awkward to me. And just remember where I came from, that background of abuse that I came from, I didn't really know what love was anyway, but that didn't sound like it either. Just didn't sound like it. And even if I told somebody what my love language was and and asked them to start loving me that way, well, it might it opens up the opportunity for that little pity party that says, well, I told you what my love language is. Why aren't you doing it? And then I did not want that whiny voice in my life, did not want to get to that point. I understand the communication part, but I think it's better this way. So what I did was I, I contacted... Sorry. Before you continue, can you yeah. give us like a, because I've never read the book, I, I know it's hugely popular, and but so can you give us a, a quick basis of the, what the whole book about the four languages is about? So then you can, you can build sure. from there. <laughs> Absolutely. So this, this book was printed in 1992, first printing for Dr. Chapman. Dr. Chapman, the theory is that everyone has a, a, a preferred way to be loved. Dr. Chapman identifies that as a primary love language. So what people were doing with their primary love language was most people would give their primary love language away, send it out, say your physical touch. You'd give somebody a hug, hoping that they'd, they'd also hug you in return. Sometimes it's welcome, sometimes it's not so welcomed. But that's the whole idea. You send a gift out, you're hoping that a gift will come back. Um, and, and that was just the primary love language. It's more re- re- reciprocity than anything else. And so, so with uh, with a uh, uh, just take for example time spending time with someone that means that you're just putting down the brakes, you're setting down your cell phone, mm-hmm. you're just spending quality time with that person. Uh, for service, either you're looking for a, a, a organization to volunteer to do service. Lots of organizations like that. There's a, a website called JustServe.com that takes a lot of a, a lot of businesses can can say they need some volunteers, they post it on the website, and volunteers just show up. It's really a great website for that, if you want to do that. Or within your family, um, uh, what it looks like in a family is that, say the wife likes service, the husband or the, or the children could be washing that, that um, their mother's car or their wife's car. They could be vacuuming the carpet. They could be emptying the dish, dishwasher. They could be mopping the floors. Uh, they could be doing, holding the laundry. 
or doing the laundry, they could be doing a lot of that number of things that would be service to that mother. <laughs> so that's what service looks like. Um, as far as touch goes, uh, appropriate touch, and as far as I'm, um, as far as what I'm talking about, is the high fives, the fist bumps, the pat on the back. You get more intimate with the hugs, the kissing, the stroking the face. You can do a lot of those things uh, as physical touch. Uh, the last one uh, we talked about a little bit about gifts. Gifts kind of incorporates a lot of the love languages. Gifts. Uh, you could have a gift of service. You could have a gift of time. You could have a gift of words. I, there was a guy here locally that he, he rolled um, on the die that I'll show you in a minute. He, he rolled wrote gifts one day, and his, he knew his wife did not like gifts, but he loved. She loved words. So what he did was he wrote a note, put it into into a box, wrapped the box up, and then gave presented that to her. When she opened it, she was absolutely delighted that it was a words. It was a note. And that's kind of what you do with the words. It's also, uh, or you can do that with gifts. Gifts incorporates all that. On the words, you're lo looking for compliments, or you're send. You're not really looking for them. You're sending out compliments. And what I found, David, in this whole study that I've done, is that really the only things that you and I and everybody have control over is what we send out. Yeah. And the only other thing that we can have control over is our reaction when love comes our way. We can't really bid people to love us because how's that look? If I ask you to love me and or just need you to love me, it almost feels, and I tell you that, it almost feels for, uh, from your standpoint like that's duty bound. And mm -hmm. duty bound, uh, it's okay, but it's, it's better to have it sincerely from the depths of our heart to send it out with sincerity and, gen and genuineness. So just telling you to do that gets back to the whiny voice of, well, I told you. That just, that just doesn't work. So just to recap quickly, the, the five, it was four love languages in this original book, five. So just to recap, it was uh, touch, it was gifts, it was service, it was words. What was the other one? Time. Time. So in, the, in this book, it kind of is, is focused in how to first identify your own love language so then you can kind of give it out so then you can receive it back. That's kind of the principle of it. That's for the five love life, which is correct. For the five love language. And you this you uh, realize that there's some type of uh, expectancy into that concept that can create a resentment when it's not, it doesn't come back as, as how we want it to. And it also is not as genuine because we're giving it kind of with an expectancy instead right. of kind of so, so, so the way I define love, the new definition, it's not really new, but it's the definition I use for love is sending it out without any expectation of coming back. But we're trusting in the law of the harvest or karma or the law of attraction, whatever you want to call it, whatever you recognize that or whether you accept, it's, it's going to come back to you. You're just sending out trusting, not without any expectation, but trusting that someday it'll come back. And so when you send love out in that way, it's, it definitely is going to be to your benefit. It's going to be the, mostly to their benefit. And what I found out, David, too, is that it's not about me anymore. It's not about how I want to be loved anymore. It's about how, who, whose day can I make a better day? And when, that, when I'm helping someone have a better day, I'm actually paid. I actually get, you get thrilled for helping someone 
making their day for helping someone on their way. What's going to happen with that, David, is that they're going to go to their circle of influence. They're going to tell them what happened and they're going to make their day too. They're, they're spreading love. Contrast that with anger. When you send anger out, you get immediate return on your investment. It's coming right back at you and it could come back at you tenfold. And that's, that's really, you don't want that to happen. Who wants that? In fact, I like to compare it to a magnifying glass. Whatever you put in your magnifying glass actually becomes larger. So if we're mm -hmm. focusing or magnifying the faults and the weaknesses and the failings of another person, guess what's going to happen to us? There, it's going to come right back to us. Why would you want to enlarge that in another person? You would want to minimize that, make it smaller, or look at instead. Uh, you don't even have to minimize it because that's kind of a bad word. Uh, you don't want to minimize it, but just look at the different way. Look at them differently by seeing what's right about that person. What can I love about that person? So, so when I read these five love languages and I didn't really get it, I thought I'm going to contact Dr. Chapman because I have an idea. I said I'm going to contact him and ask him if he's going to license those those icons that for each one of those love languages. And when I did that, his attorney wrote me back and said, no, they're not doing that at the time. So I proceeded to contact a, a, a copyright attorney here in my city. And they, I found out that theory, like the theory of the love languages, is not copyrightable. Application is. So the, they didn't have it as a game. And I remember as a child that I liked games. I thought even in our dysfunctional family, when we got together as a game, it was fun. Even though there's a lot of smack talk going on and a lot of uh, downgrading the words, that's part of the angry culture, but it was just a fun time. So I thought, maybe I can make it a game. So I created my own icons and then put them on a die. And so this is what it looks like. For your listeners out there, I'm holding mm -hmm. up a die that's about one inch by one inch that has uh, a time uh, or an hourglass on it. Mm -hmm. uh, a little hand holding an hourglass. So that represents time. For the love language, mm -hmm. I've turned it. I've got uh, kind of a, what looks like a waiter holding a, pl a platter. Uh, that represents service. I've got the two hands together. They're making a heart symbol. As many people see when they love something, they just send you that heart. Put their hands together like that. What next to the heart? I have a little conversation fly up. So those actually represent the words. Okay. On the other hand, uh, on the other side, I've got. Two hands that are touching one another, that represents touch. And then the last one is a hand holding a, a present. So that's the that's represents gifts. No words on the die at all. There are four five love languages, six sides on the die. The last one I have a hand holding a question mark. When you roll that one, it's it, 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 I call it surprise me. I live just two hours north of Las Vegas, so some people call it dealer's choice, whatever you want to call it. That on that day you're watching for opportunities to do random acts of kindness. So David, with this, there's just two instructions. I've tried to really make this so simple that anybody can do it, even small children. You roll the die every day. That's the love language you practice: giving away, staying in your lane, giving away all day that day. So while you're giving away, what you're watching for is when people light up. When they light up, that's probably what their primary love language is or close to it. Maybe, maybe they've got a couple primary love languages, but we're watching for people to light up. 
that's the sign also that they're, you made their day. They're being, they're happy for what you've done for them or whatever you've done in that way. Over okay. a th- Thank you. Over a 30 day period, you will have given away all five love languages so that you can become very versed in them. You know them backwards and forwards. David, you become what I like to call a love language linguist because you know you're versed in all of them. It's a sexy title. I know you want to add that to your resume. When, when you put it on, just think of this, David, when you put that on your resume, I'm a love language linguist, that employer is going to say, what the heck is a love language linguist? And you're going to say, I just love people. That employer wants their customers loved and they want a loving environment, not a hostile environment, a loving environment within the workplace. Your resume is going to rise to the top. I'm not saying you get the job, but I'm sure that resume will rise to the top. You'll make it such an impression on that employer with being a love language linguist, knowing how people like to be loved, that it's gonna it's gonna help you in that situation. Second part about it, it is it improves your vision. Most people, as I indicated, or Dr. Chapman indicated, can only see love as whatever their primary love language is. This gives you a peripheral vision that said, oh, I can see they're loving on me. It's not my primary love language, but I can see they're sending something else that I consider love. And then you can respond appropriately to that. And I think that's that communication gap uh, can be closed with using this diet, just by learning all five love languages. David, even after I read the, the book, The Five Love Languages, four or five times, if someone offered me a million dollars to name all five love languages after I read the book, I couldn't do it. It, the, I went through the book, but the book didn't go through me. It wasn't inside of me. And that's why that's kind, that's why I've kind of used a play on the words. You R-O-L-L, roll the die outside of you. But the, the website is R-O-L-E of love.com. You, the role R-O-L-E, it changes you within. That's how I came up with the name. Wow. So, okay, well. I want to ask you first, um, how can we, because I love the idea of kind of practicing, you know, different love language. You give us kind of like a real life example. For example, I imagine that you apply it with everybody. You go to the grocery store. So let's just say that you're meeting, you know, a, a person in a store that's kind of helping you, you know, buy your groceries or whatever. How would you, uh, do each one of these languages? Can you give us like a, a real life example of how they would actually look like? So possibly in a grocery store, um, you could, if you're walking by a stalker on the shelf and just they're doing the facing and fronting and they've got them all lined up, just really nice. You can obviously compliment that or you say, man, you did a great job on the shelf and see if they'll, t- they'll take a high five or the physical touch, the high five or the words for, uh, for gifts. You could instead of taking one off the shelf, that beautiful shelf that they just did, maybe they've got one or two still left in the box. Take them out of the box first so you can give them that gift of not messing up their shelf right away, that they can uh, enjoy what the beautiful thing that they've done right then. Uh, as far as service, maybe you could, uh, if they've got boxes in the way, maybe you could help them move the boxes out of the way so you could get by or others could get by with their carts something like that. There's just a lot of things that you can do. What I like to do when I'm checking out of the store, what I like to do is just 
find something that I can complement the checker with because I don't usually run into a lot of people doing the boxes on the floor or a lot of other people that work in the store while I'm doing my shopping. And I think they keep it that way just so that there's there's no mess in the aisle way and that people can get up and down the aisles. So the checker might be the only opportunity. So when I get to the checker, I'm wa- waiting in line and watching as that checker and, and watching. You know, some people are very, very fast at checking and very, very accurate at what they do and just have mm-hmm. process down. So just compliment that. So you're the fastest checker I've ever seen today or whatever. I mean, just make it make it sincere, but make it something that really will help help them uh, just have a happier day. Uh, mm-hmm. No, no need to complain there. Absolutely no need to, to say, I waited a long time. It's not about you. Just remember, it's not about you. It's about them. It's about making their day better. Not about mm-hmm. you. And also, I think that once you give love, um, you immediately receive it just because it went through you, right? It's like you're you already felt it anyways. You don't have to. You already won. You already, you know. So it already changes your state, you already feel good. So there's no need almost to expect or want anything kind of back because just the act of giving it is already fulfilling in its own way, right? Absolutely, you're paid. You're absolutely paid immediately for for sending it out and just watching for the reactions. Some people accept it very readily. Like I say, you're watching for that person that actually lights up. And then just take those mental notes uh, and, and just just redo it. Try to remember who it was and what they let up about, and then you'll come back to it. I remember one time going to church, and this lady in church had had a brand new haircut, and I said, "Cute haircut, Kathy," and and her husband, and she just lit up like a Christmas tree. You would wow. not, and it's just just that simple. It wasn't sexual, wasn't no innuendo, nothing like that. She's seventy five years old, and and just just a compliment like that. And then her husband kind of crouched down and was lowering his head. He was hearing all this. He had not even noticed that she had a haircut. And I could tell that the way he was acting is like he was totally sheepish about about what he'd not done. That was so simple. It was so simple, so easy. Why couldn't he have just said, cute haircut, Kathy? I mean, to his own wife. But just for me to say it, she was, she was a Christmas tree on that day. Yeah, I can imagine. So I want to talk about anger because I think anger is one of the kind of main emotions of the human being that kind of is very central in, you know, our life in many ways. Um, But anger itself, you know, I could even argue is in itself a love language because you're really asking for love. When you get angry, you're kind of saying like, you're you're saying, why did you do this to me? Like, why didn't you love me? love me and then even when you some people attack other people and even people that kill other people sometimes it's just really what they really are doing is boiling it down is like asking to be loved right so that's what i do sometimes when i'm starting to get angry or i recognize some somebody that's angry angry i kind of remind myself that that's actually a a call for love right Mm -hmm. yeah how's that working out for you though I mean, really, if you're going to be angry, send the anger out um, in a call for love, how's that really going to work out for you? Because most people will either get upset or they'll clam up or they'll walk away or they'll uh, de- de- the relationship actually deteriorates when you become angry. 
David, I like to explain it like this. The other day I was out walking and I found a, a walking stick. It's probably three and a half feet tall, just perfect. On one side of the stick, it came without any bark. So it just came just like this. One side of the stick is really, really smooth. And the other side of the stick just has some points over here where maybe there were some branches. And this, I call this the naughty side of the stick and the nice side of the stick. And, and David, I think Santa Claus has a stick just like that, the naughty and nice stick. That's yeah. how we get our presents at Christmas. I know you didn't know that, but that's that's how it happens. But okay. uh, so so use that as a spectrum. On the naughty side of the stick is anger, and anger has its own culture. It has its own vocabulary. It has its own jokes. It has all the humor. Everything. There's a culture right there of anger on that side of the stick. So when I went into my sister-in-law's uh, or my brother's house, and my sister-in-law said that about the angry that pointed out that the Zolan family still was on that angry side of the stick. That's when I realized that I've got to get away from this. I've got to build a new culture. I've got to learn a new language, so to speak, and therefore the law of languages on the other side of the stick. Therefore, the law of humor, the kind humor, the soft humor, the, the kind words, instead of harsh words, learn those kind words. And by doing that, just by just the compound effect, of doing that every day, trying to do that every day, you're getting uh, inch by inch just a little bit closer. Maybe it's just a half a percent or one percent a day better at doing that every day until you're out of that angry culture. That's what it took for me. And what else I found is that I was so busy, so very busy looking for what's right about people, what there was to love about people as I developed the dice and started rolling the dice. I had zero time to say, what's wrong with that person and go down that critical path. It was that replacement behavior that I was looking for, that replacement behavior that overshadowed all that angry behavior that I learned, that I was trained in as I was growing up. Wow. Yeah, um, it, it is incredible because we kind of look for, I think especially if we're angry or we have uh, a negative emotion that we want to project outside in the world, we kind of uh, search for either who's victimizing us or who's guilty or who has this faults. Like we're kind of searching for that and that's what we find, right? So, and that's kind of like the typical mentality that we kind of, it becomes our normal thing that we meet somebody and immediately we start looking for all their faults, everything that they say wrong and that's what we find. So it's really interesting what you're saying, like kind of completely changing that mentality and saying, you know, what is good, what is, and then suddenly you will find what you look for, right? And then suddenly, if you look for it, people also react to it because they kind of sense it as well that you're kind of looking, you, you have that perspective and then they like you and then you like them because they like you. So it starts to change everything, right? It absolutely will. And if you're looking for red flags, you're going to find red flags. If you're looking for green flags, you're going to find the green flags. Watch for those green flags because that is something that really, really will move your uh, your relationship forward. And I'm, I'm telling you from a lot of experience, David, I, I hate to admit it, but I have a lot of experience on how anger can actually repel people and it re repel the relationship. It will ruin the relationship. That's it's not worth it. It's absolutely not worth it. I've got so much repairing left to do in my life that I feel like I've got to love, I've got to have a 2% return on my investment every single day. 
I've got to love that much every single day to re try to repair all the all the angry moments from the past. Try to repair those relationships that are critical. Those relationships with your loved ones, your children, your grandchildren, anybody that you may have offended along the way. It's now now it's repair time. It took me a long time to get do all that anger. It's going to take me, you know, the rest of my life to figure out how do I now express that I'm loving. I've changed. And um, I'd have to believe it. And it's it's just gonna it's time and distance will create that healing effect. But it's also my own actions and staying in my own lane and sending that love out daily, every day, all day. Because you you transform yourself by doing this every day. You actually, you know, you become a new person. And then I think they will kind of almost sense it because you, your demeanor is gonna change. Like people are really good at micro just intuitively analyzing people like they know this guy is like and i've been told this because i think i also have like anger problems like they are like oh i'm afraid of you or i feel like you can get angry easily because you can and they just know you can they can just tell and the same way when you meet somebody that's you know if you wouldn't have told me that you know you used to have anger problems and me meeting you right now i would have thought you were like the most you know you know peaceful relaxed guy you know i wouldn't imagine it because that's kind of how you are now that's you know everything that i'm seeing and talking to you that they're new kind of self right so uh i think for me um what i've been thinking a lot is kind of what you were saying earlier about how it takes so little to ruin a relationship and when you're an angry person like i've been um because i also had you know difficulty in my childhood whatever for you it's normal to be angry so you kind of think it's kind of normal but then when you kind of lash out with somebody you don't think it's such a big deal but to the other person, it was a huge deal. And now that relationship like had a huge blow. So it's like, I realized like, wow, it's really almost zero tolerance. Like um, most people have like zero tolerance for one, like anger, even a vibe, even if they just feel you like that, people will completely avoid you just if they just feel it. So it's super, it, it's, it's really delicate, right? Human relationships and, and anger problems just ruins basically everything yeah david I, I love what you said there about a zero tolerance i think people have zero tolerance right now for mistakes zero tolerance for any error any margin of error zero tolerance because that's how they've been taught instead of having zero tolerance for mistakes of other people just have zero tolerance i like the zero tolerance for for anger outbursts of, um, of yourself and just start with that even though maybe an extreme at the start but you've got to do that to overcome any any of those flashes that I was talking about, any of those annoyances that you're stacking up until you flash, just you've got to start with a, basically a zero tolerance. Then you'll get to the time that maybe maybe there is a point that you should be upset, upset and angry at some things that happen in life, some things, circumstances, but it's still mostly out of your control. You can be upset that it's out of your control, but just take, for example, the... I, I don't want to go political at all, but if a political candidate is not the person that you want, do you have any responsibility for that? You only have a little vote. If you use that vote, then you've done your job. But if you didn't use that vote, you have absolutely zero right to complain, zero right to be angry, zero right to do anything about it because you didn't do anything about it. Take the responsibility. And that's where really t what the, the, it draws the line that if we can blame somebody for our problems or blame somebody else for a problem, 
we don't have to change. We don't have to do a darn thing to change because it's their problem and it's their fault. Once we take responsibility, that all changes. Now it's our responsibility to make the changes that we need to make. And I, I like to call, I don't, I don't know how religious your podcast is, but I, I love the Last Supper. And at the last, last Supper, Jesus, Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me. And each one of the apostles, not just Judas, but each one of the apostles came up and said, Lord, is it I? And you just need to have that humble attitude about Lord, is it I? Am I the yeah. problem? Am I the problem in this relationship? And you get that Lord, is it I syndrome. You know, it's more of a humble attitude of, of approach to life that you start taking responsibilities. If it is me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make that change that I need to make. I'm going to do what I need to do to make it make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I love that because um, it just happened to me actually. Uh, I'm not gonna get too too deep into it, but it just happened to me where I realized, you know, I, I kind of damaged the relationship, and then I realized that it was me the one that had the problem. And it is, uh, it's not. A, maybe I was used for sometimes I was used to not being the problem, and then when you realize that you you are the problem, it uh, at least you have the chance to correct yourself and uh maybe not make that mistake again or, or really try to change but um i think we are so used to pointing the finger outwards that we never kind of analyze ourselves what do you think people have such a resistance to kind of uh see inwardly and ask the question i think so that a lot of resistance happens because you want to you want to have that self-esteem you want to think that you're okay and I think that looking inward is is that vulnerable moment that that wait a minute I might be the problem and wait a minute and people don't want to feel that discomfort when they're feeling that I think that um, there there may be a lot of single people out there I was single when I developed this and so I didn't have as Dr. Chapman would suggest I didn't have a significant other to love so my choice was to love everyone and so I thought that it really turned out well to do that to love everyone, but I, I felt a very need, I felt a, a, a need inside me to change me because part of my being single was my own fault, that maybe there was not that compatibility, maybe there wasn't that, that loving sense, and maybe there was areas that I could improve. And to be the best person that I could be, to be out on the single market, and to, to be the person that I like, like that I wanted to marry, to be that communicator, to be that loving person, to be that gentle person, I had to become that. And it's interesting that we reflect, we attract the type of people that we want to be. And it's interesting, just raise the level there. And I think that people, that's a scary step. It's outside the box. Just like rolling the die and practicing all the love languages, these love languages that are not your primary love language, to give that away could be a very scary step for most people. It just the stepping outside of that box, stepping into that discomfort zone, and doing that actually is for your good. It's going to be better for you because it's going to open your eyes and give you that peripheral vision that you need to, to be able to re be a good receiver. Well, and... I mean, it's, I love the, the whole idea because you're basically, uh, have a goal every day about how you're going to love basically the world. 
and it gives you like a mission it gives you um almost like an assignment for each day and also it gives you the skill set that is improving because i imagine that every day you get better you get better you understand it so it's almost like a little game that you're playing and at the same time you're transforming yourself you're you're uh in a way you're probably healing yourself while you're doing this right absolutely so it's you could i'm glad you called it a game it could be like a little video game that your you, your skill level yesterday or 10 days ago is today after playing it for every day your skill level is a lot better at that game so it's, it's the same thing that's going to happen here your skill level will absolutely improve and you'll have you'll have much better ways to love it'll be smoother transition it'll be more comfortable for you you actually become more of a whole person that you can see more of a whole picture about sending love out and you can see it coming your way those are the only two things i can't bid love to come my way i can't tell people to love me because then it becomes that duty-bound thing and that doesn't work absolutely doesn't work. and I, and i've been thinking re- lately that really life is really uh well there's this this quote from a spiritual book that says human beings can only do one of two things they can either give love or ask for love and if you can give love it's probably going to look like something nice and sometimes when we ask for love it can look nice or it can look like an aggression it can look like something very nasty but you're really asking for love right either from that person or from the world but uh really like life almost is is only that is is um is is basically you know love it's just giving love everything that we do is is almost like an expression of it if if it's your work or you know our personal relationships even our relationship with our, with ourselves everything kind of is in a way uh related to to love right so so it's extremely important what you're doing is like we go to the most core thing of life almost where kind of everything relates to that in a way right absolutely and david just expand a little bit on that you know, the as you were just saying that Um, the very thought of the giving love is kind of asking for it, but because you're what you whatever you send out, because of the law of the harvest, because of karma, because of the law of attraction, is coming back to you. So be careful what you send out; it's coming back to you. So it's, in essence, you are when you are giving, you're indirectly asking, and that's indirect ask is the best way rather than a direct ask. So you know. I need you to watch my car today. I mean, you'll do it, but it's not. It's it's a transaction. It becomes a transaction, and love is not a transaction. Love is sending it out without any expectation. Uh, if you're expecting, if you're sending something out and expecting something back, it's not. Let's make a deal. We're, we're not. We're not on that television show. We're not dressing up in costume to do that. That's not love. That's a transaction. So just send it out without any regard coming uh, coming back. So love is is basically in a way in, in con- unconditional. It's uh, how would you define love? What is the bare definition of love? I would say that it's a decency toward your fellow man. Just it's it's a something that that you you esteem their good parts, and and just let them work on their own their own. False. Let them work on their own weaknesses. You're not there to point it out. You're not there to judge it. You're not there to do anything about that. That is their choice. 
let them have their choice. That's love in and, of, in and of itself, allowing them the freedom to make their own changes. You don't have to enact that. You don't have to point it out. You don't have to do any of that. All you can, all you're responsible to do is send it out just to love your neighbor as you would love yourself. Send it out. And I think that, um, I imagine you practicing this have felt probably some spiritual or because you're basically changing your whole frequency. You're putting out good karma. You're like an, an agent of love in, in a world. Like, um, have you felt that, you know, you have maybe improved your quote unquote luck, like things have, you know, things have changed or have you felt some type of spiritual or supernatural thing once you started kind of vibrating with that energy? I think so, David, I like that question. I really, really do. I think it's a, a very, very fabulous question. I, I, I re I'm starting to remember people's names more. And I've started, and as I call people by name, as I go around town, I've been in this town 15 years now that I'm, uh, um, that, um, you know, and, and I see people, I recognize them, call them by name and just, The remembering and remembering is part of loving, sending it out that, oh, I remember you and just being personable in that way. It really, you know, I feel like I have a lot of people that, that are friendly to me. A lot of people that would do, do anything. I'm not asking for anything to be done, but if I ever need some, some help with something, I have a lot of people that I could call a lot of first responders to something that I might have a need about. Or something that if, if they are involved with a, a volunteer organization, they want to be part of that organization because they know, kind of know how I operate. And it's just having people that, you know, work situation that you feel love from them rather than the overseer, the overbearance, I'm, I'm the top guy, you're the slave type situation. It doesn't work. When you express that love to one another, you're going to have employee retention. Those employees want to be around that person. They want to come to work because they love that boss. That's the type of situation that you'll create when you continue loving. And I think that that, that has done that for me. People want to be my clients. People want to want to work with me. They want to work with me. Uh, either, even if pricing or anything else might be something different for them, they'll want to work with me. And when I say work, I do merchant services. But I set up businesses so, so they can take credit card as payment. I've worked with owners of businesses all around town. So I've been involved with the Chamber of Commerce and, and other organizations like that. I well, it, sincerely believe people want to work with me because of the reputation that I've developed in that way. So basically the complete opposite of the how the world was reacting to you when you were in that angry uh, state, basically. So instead of repelling people, now people are drawn. Absolutely. And that's hugely powerful because that's kind of goes back to, um, I don't know, there was this book about the power of being liked, which you could say is the power of being loved, right? Absolutely. The power of somebody loving you uh, is huge. It's huge in every aspect of life, uh, you know, because it, if you, doors will open, you know, friends, you know, come, they invite you to their, they present you to their friends. You know, it's just uh, so beneficial to be liked and loved. It's one of like a hack that's kind of not very much talked about, you know, in life. I love, I love how you called it a hack. When people have one serving of love, 
They want to come back for more. They want seconds. Because most people, I think, are very deficient in it, right? So when somebody even gives a little compliment, uh, it's almost like, so to some people, it's almost like earth shattering, right? Because they live in such a toxic environment and they're used to getting like jabs and attacks from every angle that somebody, somebody comes with no uh, ulterior motive and just gives them like a kind, some kind of words. It almost like goes right into their core and it's like, and that's kind of, you develop maybe loyalty mm-hmm. from people because they, because you gave them something that, you know, they, they, they're not getting anywhere else. Right. So. Yeah. Those people um, also might just say something like, okay, tell me more, <laughs> tell me more, give me some more. You know, and, and it's kind of fun that way. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, it's been a great conversation. I think, uh, let me see if I have some more questions. I'd like to get into the relationship uh, aspect because I think that's hugely important, you know, our significant other. Can you tell us some tips? Um, how can we improve using the love languages, uh, our relationships? What have you seen, you know, that people might be doing wrong the most? You know, how can we uh, have better relationships with our significant other? That's a great question, David. I think that um, you said it well on your on your site, you said variety is the spice of life. And I think that rolling the die kind of mixes that up enough that it's enough variety. My wife doesn't roll the die with me. So what she's trying to do is she tries to guess what love language am I practicing today? What did I roll that day? And it really kind of spices it up for her. And it's just for me too, because she she's trying to guess what I, what I rolled. And sometimes she's right, and sometimes it's it's different, and and it helps me also refine what am I sending out there, what is what's the perception of what I'm sending out. So it's been helpful in that way. I really think that couples need that spice in their life. They need they need something that's going to change it up a little bit, rather than have the same old routine, but change it up in a nice way. You don't want to turn angry. You don't want to start repelling people again. Just change it up in a loving way. Stay within that love culture on the nice side of the stick, the nice side of the spectrum. And just inc- incrementally, 1% a day, whatever it takes, try to improve every single day uh, your loving skills. And I think that that's what this dice really does, is it really helps you focus. I have a, a mayor of a, of a city um, in one of the surrounding localities that uses the die every day. And she used it before her campaign, and she used it through her campaign, and she used it as as she be, as she won the the mayorship. But she is an epitome of doing it doing it well. She just says it makes her day intentional. That the whole intention of her life, the whole intention of her service, is to love. When we get to that point, we've got that ironclad mindset. I'm going to send love out no matter what. That's what I'm doing all day. That's the person I'm going to be. That's the character I choose. I'm going to practice that Intr- incrementally from that decision-making. You're going to get better at that with close relationships and distant relationships as well. It's worked well with my wife and I. I think it's um, actually drawn us a lo- whole lot closer. I'm so glad I don't have the flashes anymore of anger that would actually repel my significant other. You don't want that. Oh, you don't definitely don't want don't want that. Um, so, what what um uh, how what happens when let's say we have a fight? 
how is it just doing the love languages on top of it or do you suggest kind of doing like a forgiveness practice how do you deal when there or other people have a negative fight uh, with their loved one like what how what's the process up to that well the first person that they really shouldn't get to the point of or the escalation of a fire at all but in case it does if it does i would suggest lowering your voice just try to do this in a, in a calm tone of voice try to keep things as calm as possible try to try to find understanding in what they're saying their words might not match exactly how they feel but that's what you ask is that i'm i'm hearing this is that what you mean i'm hearing this is that how you feel and just do more reflective listening and i think there's a lot of people out there that would agree that you just keep that calm voice and start asking a few more questions about why they feel upset about something that you did and then if it's necessary do the lord is it i and if it is you even if it's not you say i'm sorry tell them that you're sorry and that you'll try to try to do better that you didn't see that part of your character that may have been deficient that bothered them but they, they shouldn't be looking at stuff that bothers them about you anyway they need to stay in their own lane too that's all i'm saying it's just if they if they stayed in their own lane they would not be annoyed at anything that you did seriously because what your lane is is you're trying to send out love and you're trying to love everyone around you if that's annoying to your to your spouse um uh, i don't know what to say i don't know what to say I, I, they, if they're jealous about that that's one thing if they're jealous and they want more time with you they, they want more love from you that's one thing and and you probably have to re rearrange your schedule like just for now my i'm doing a lot of a lot of podcasts and my wife Uh, my wife used to have a lot more access to me than she does now. And so there is a little bit of that. And I understand that, David, it's going to happen. But that happens with work. That happens with, you know, the, the ebb and flow of business, the ebb and flow of busyness. You get busy and then you're busy for a while, then it drops off. And then you get busy and it drops off. Uh, that is something that couples and, and uh, partners really need to work through that there's going to be that ebb and flow. There's going to be those ups and those downs. In the downtime is when you can play. In the downtime is when you can spend more time. When it's, when it's up, you've got, to, you've got to be there. And you make up for the time that you weren't there. You kind of have to yep. give a little extra, extra love. It's like, awesome. It's like riding the waves on the ocean. There's not, it's not constant waves. It's not. It, it'll ebb and flow. And just ride the waves. And then just when you're down, just peaceful. And they can do a lot of things that you couldn't do when you're right in the wave. You've got to focus when you're right in the wave. I love that. I love that. Well, it's been such a great conversation. I mean, super important. Can't be on, under, uh, how do you say, overstated, underestimated, you know, how much love is important in our lives. And it's basically, you know, all spirituality almost in every religion, I think, comes back to it. You know, the commandments, it's in the commandments. It's, you know, it's everything. So, so I mean, you become uh, practicing this. I mean, it's really kind of the, almost the best thing you can do for, for the world, for yourself, you know, for everybody around you, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, well said. Thank you. So, uh, Paul, tell us, you know, where can people find you? Tell us, you know, what, 
about, about your, you know, the services, books. Tell us everything that you want to share with the listeners today. So they can find the book. I also have a journal that if there are people out there that, that like to, a, a journal that has little prompts, they can record yeah. what they rolled, what opportunities they saw, what, the, what they did about those opportunities. It becomes a love legacy journal, something that they can pass on. Um, I've got the book, I've got the diet, all on my website. It's called rolloflove.com, R-O-L-E of love, because the role, it's changing, changes you within. R-O- mm-hmm. But it's kind of a play on words. R-O-L-L is outside of you. That's what you do with the die. So you roll the die outside you, but you change yourself within by, by doing what the die says. They can find me there. If the, if people listening to this podcast prefer listening to books, they can listen to the audible version of this. They can find that on Amazon and they can find the a Kindle version as well on Amazon. But instead of typing in Roll of Love on Amazon, you want that's going to be kind of find a needle in a haystack. You're going to find love this, love that, love a million things. Mm. But if you but if you type in my name, it'll take you right to it. Type in Paul Zolman, Z-O-L-M-A-N. You'll get right to it. Freaking I'll still post all the links in the show notes, but some podcasts don't. Uh, there's some sometimes it doesn't work, I guess. But everything's going to be in the show notes uh, with the links and everything that uh, Paul has just mentioned. So, um, so thank you so much, Paul. Do you want to give an extra, you know, last words? Absolutely. So many people, if you have, especially the ladies in, in the audience, go to, if they're going to a yoga class, at the end of the yoga class, there's a, a word called namaste. It's a, mm. it's a Sanskrit uh, word from Northern India, the Sanskrit dialect. But the Hebrew interpretation of that means that the God in me sees the God in you, or the divine in me sees the divine in you. When we get to that mindset, David, that's where we're at. We've arrived that we're watching for the divine in other people. We see each other as children of God. We see each other as helpers. We can help one another and love God in the same way, but love one another, just like we're commanded to do. It's a, it's a better life. It's going to help the world be a better place. Forget the rage. Forget pointing out the faults of others. Forget that. Forget magnifying that focus on the good that we've got out there we'll look for the divine in each one of us yeah and like uh jesus said as you see him you will see yourself right so as we uh look for the divinity and what's good in other people how that's how we're gonna transform our own self-identity right absolutely well said and i mean everybody talking about changing the world there's no better way to change the world than basically what everything that you said that's the most powerful way because that's what the world needs the most and we can do that everybody mm-hmm. in their own circle of friends in their own community in their own home in their own neighborhood everybody can send out love this is some a work everybody can do there's no better work and it's just has a huge uh it has a huge ripple effect that we cannot even probably imagine you said some kind of word somebody it already changed his mind. Maybe you give him the exact words that he needed to not kill himself. Now that he didn't kill himself, the family doesn't have to mourn because the family didn't mourn. You know, like it just, uh, it goes so far. And if, ever, if just a few people start doing it and it starts spreading out, uh, it can have an immense, you know, change that nobody can even see or comprehend. But 
horse. But that's no, you couldn't stop it. Exactly, nobody can stop it, and uh, and it has a domino effect. And at the end of the day, it's, you're also bene you're also benefiting yourself more than anything. So, I mean, it's extremely. I, I love everything that you said. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dick. And uh, it was a pleasure to to have you on. And uh, and yeah, we'll keep in touch. All right. My pleasure too. Thanks, David. Look outside your door and stop reaching for the moon. There's life again in Lover's Lane, and that's a very good sign. We're on the track to welcome back a bit of old anxiety. That hello neighbor smile will be coming back in style. So we're wedding rain and the simple things in 